morning. Good afternoon in some places. I'm Terry Woods, and this is Texas Storytellers. I'm at home today, but we're still brought to you by Woodlands Online. And you can watch us on woodlandsonline.com and on iHeartRadio, Stitcher. You can even watch us on Facebook. Wherever you watch us, I hope you do. And today, we even have some questions for you. You know, some time ago, I was working with a group of students, and we did a radio show. The radio show was based upon three books. I'm not going to tell you about all three books today, but one of the books was Stories from Web. I found this book in one of the teacher collections I was looking at at school and realized that, hey, wait a minute, this school is like not far from here at all in Navasota, Texas. Well, I love Navasota, Texas. Victorian homes, lots of historic, historic things to drive through and look at. And I did know that there was a school there because I, I, well, I am a teacher and I used to evaluate pre-Ks and I visited that pre-K a long time ago. Well, I called the principal there whose name was Todd. That's all that I remembered at the moment. And he gave me permission to go ahead and use some of the stories from the book. So what I did was I had the kids, you know, we've done a couple of episodes with theater so I had the kids pretend that they were the teacher reading the story from Stories from Web. And three of them did an excellent, excellent job. And at the radio station, there really wasn't much room for more than that. So they pretended to be the teacher and they read those stories. Now, doesn't that give you kind of like, okay, what were the stories about? Well, you'll <laughs> find out next time. Today, I want to tell you about that Todd. Well, I looked him up again. Like I said, this was some time ago. I looked him up again and found out, well, he's not, he's not teaching in Navasota anymore because he's been doing all kinds of other fantastic things in education and leadership, working with kids and working with teachers. So this episode and the next episode are going to be dedicated to teachers and their kids. All right, Todd Nesloni, that's his last name. I'm going to read to you about him right now. Todd Nesloni is the Director of Culture and Strategic Leadership for the Texas Elementary Principals Supervisors Association, or if you're a teacher, it's TEPSA. He was previously a principal leader learner at a pre-K-5 school in Texas. He is an award-winning author for his books, Kids Deserve It, Stories from Web, didn't I tell you? Sparks in the Dark and When Kids Lead. He has also published a children's book, Spruce and Lucy. Todd has been recognized by the John C. Maxwell as a top 10 finalist for the 2018 Transformational Leadership Award. That's given out by the White House. I mean, that's about the coolest thing I can think of. 
He's passionate about education and innovation. He was a classroom teacher for seven years. He was principal at a campus in Navasota, Texas. I think it was called Webb. Todd took a struggling campus, brought it in a new, brought in a new staff, and used his creative ideas to transform the campus. The one thing that is clear about Todd when you hear him speak or talk is his immense love for doing what's best for kids despite limitations. And boy, do we have a lot of limitations in 2020. Mm. Todd worked in an environment where almost 90% of his students were on free and reduced lunch. His campus and district were 85% minority and faced many challenges. But that's exactly what Todd thrives on. Todd loves a challenge. Todd also travels and speaks about his innovative practices and how he, how we have to stop making excuses on why we can't do things for our students. That is the most important thing I've learned from reading Todd's books, by the way. He also speaks about the use of technology. And as you can see me working on Zoom and my home at, in my classroom too, I use Zoom quite a bit. I use my phone. I'm still using pencil and paper. Boy, can I use that technology experience that he has. The other thing I want to tell you, he's also a two-time TEDx speaker. That's a pretty major thing. I'm just going to end this with letting you know that he still lives in Texas, I guess when he's home, in a town called Brenham. And I, I have a picture of him. You're, you're not going to believe how young he looks. Right there. Yeah. My new educational hero. <laughs> okay, so today we're gonna focus on one of his books. That is, if I can find it again. He has a book, a book called uh, Kids Can Lead. And it wasn't my first choice when I looked at the title. He has some other books too, as it said in that bio. It wasn't my first choice to look at, but once I turned the page and started reading, I was hooked. And I think every teacher should be. Just give me a second. Well, you know what? I forgot to say, I have my partner with me today. Dixie Cooper's here. She's had a busy life in between our, our last couple of weeks. And um, I'm going to go ahead and let her start and introduce the book. Will I find what I want to read? Okay. Hi, I am Dixie Cooper. Good to see or hopefully see everyone this morning. Um, we are uh, focusing today on When Kids Lead. It, uh, it was written by Todd Nesloni, but it also has a co-author named Adam Dovico. And she told you a little bit about Todd, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Adam. Adam DeVico is an accomplished teacher, principal, author, speaker, and professor. He began his career in North Carolina as an elementary school teacher, then worked as a teacher and the social implementation specialist for the renowned 
Ron Clark Academy, where he traveled across the, the country conducting professional development and on-site training to schools. So he's been all over the place too. Adam returned to his alma mater, Wake Forest University, to train the next generation of teachers as a clinical professor. Most recently, he served as the principal at Moore Magnet Elementary. Adam is married to his wife, Jacqueline, and they have two sons, Ryder and Maddox. So he is also quite an accomplished educator. Um, and, oh, there we go. Yeah, that's his picture there. I couldn't get it to focus on my screen. So Terry, yeah, it works on yours. <laughs> that's what we were just saying. We've got to have a session sometime on just how we do this technology. So it's really quite. So quite all of you can laugh. It's quite challenging. <laughs> anyway, so together they did write When Kids Lead, and there is some quite interesting things in this book. Um, I guess we could, should start with the introduction, and uh, there's the, co the co book cover for the book. And Terry, did you, did you have something you wanted to read from the introduction? I, I do. I think I do. Yeah. Um, when Kids Lead, an adult's guide to inspiring, empowering, and growing young leaders. And I just want to say that that is so critically important right now for our young people, not only to learn from us, not only to capture what we need to say, whether you're the parent, the grandparent, the aunt, the uncle, or the teacher. It's extremely important to, to help them to empower them, to inspire kids, and, and make the next generation of leaders so, so amazing. Um, especially at this time, because, you know, it is 2020, it is fall, and we have an election coming up. And if you are involved with anyone 18 or over, and you can inspire them to vote or at least to be interested in our government, that would be so empowering right there. So there's your, if you needed a need for listening more, there it is. Um, yes, and it was written by Todd Nesloni and Adam DeVico. Uh, this is from Adam. For my sons, Ryder and Maddox, who hold the future in their hands. And I could say the same thing for my grandchildren. And Todd says, for those who have never felt like a leader, regardless of what you've been told in the past, you are a leader. Prove them wrong. Lead bravely. This is for Lizette, for helping remind me who I am. And Lizette is his wife. Okay, so. The foreword here is by Joshua Adams, and I'll just read a couple of sentences about who he is. In 2005, I started Joshua's Heart Foundation, aimed at creating young change makers who would stomp out the world, hun world hunger and poverty. Still only four and a half years old at the time, my eyes were set on being an, ups an upstander and not a bystander in my community. Fueled by passion and support by the adults in my life, I set forth to make an impact and show that kids can be leaders. 
Eternal gratitude goes out to my family and teachers who molded my journey by modeling entrepreneurship and helping me find my own voice at home and in the classroom. And of course, that goes on. Um, Joshua's heart. We have delivered over 2 million pounds of food and raised over 1.2 million for the homeless, all through the power of young leadership. What started out as me asking a few friends to help give back has grown over 5,000 youth volunteers seeking radical change for the world. Joshua's heart has continued to grow with food distribution, a food pantry, cooking classes, and a backpack program. Our success was no happenstance though. Kids see the world differently than adults do. All but naive and usually filled with an in, in innocence. Um, a child has a creativity and imagination that often doesn't know any limits. And with a combination of self-awareness, adult guidance, adult guidance, and unbounded creativity, kids do become leaders. I mean, that's just so cool. Kids can lead when kids lead. Illustrates the importance and value of cultivating youth leadership in our schools, homes, teams, and clubs. Todd and Adam outline the critical role adults play in the nurturing this development through personal narratives, practical experiences, and relatable examples. In an era when, young, when youth are frequently criticized and stereotyped for being connected to phones and disconnected from society, we cannot forget the potential that lies inside each child that can be brought out by a devoted adult. To move humanity forward and make global shifts, we must allow for the creation of a new wave of leaders who are young, creative, hungry for change. You know me, I'm hungry for change, but it's gonna be the next generation that actually implements the change or comes up with the change. And whether it is Joshua's Hearts Foundation or other youth world-changing or another youth world-changing movement, business, charity, or just a kid sitting in your classroom looking to share a thought, I urge adults to be mindful of the future. And I just, I just thought that those words were so powerful. They needed to be read out loud. Hope you're listening. Yeah. I agree. I and agree. I wanted to read one more thing because I'm going to forget. Every now and then throughout the book, he has quotes, which is not unusual for books that, that have collections, except these quotes are by kids. So listen. Yeah, I like that too. A leader is a person that stands up for other people and a person who is responsible, trustworthy, kind, a helper, and smart. A leader sometimes has to say yes, but also at times they have to say no. Leaders think before they act. Think before you act. And they motivate other people around them. 
Bennett, age 10. Yeah. Dixie? I know. It's just amazing what a child, in a child's mind, how mature it really can be. And they can see the truth right there in front of them. This is another one from a 14-year-old. He said, leaders are people whose actions have a positive influence on others. They are people with growth mindsets, not only for themselves, but also for the groups that they lead. And this was from Colton, age 14. So that was, yeah. Both of our authors also say, we both believe in, in this work because we have lived the principles in this book firsthand as teachers and principals. Adam was a teacher for over a decade at schools, at schools at an elementary, middle school and college levels, including the renowned Ron Clark Academy. He then served as a principal at a Title I school in North Carolina. They have some amazing accomplishments. They really do. They, they, they appear to be quite young, don't they? Right, quite capable men here. That's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I was wanting to tell them a little bit about the parts of the book. The first one was they describe how the training works, what you have to do to, to begin to train children to be leaders. And of course, it, it starts with self-confidence. Everything about your life, anyone's life, it, it all begins right there. What you think of yourself, your own feelings of self-worth, self-confidence, appreciating your own abilities, accepting things you can't do, and making that just not that important. So this is where it begins with them, is how do you develop the self-esteem, the self-confidence? And he says, we wrote this book with two functions in mind, to build awareness of the numerous possibilities that exist for students to exercise leadership within schools and to explain how to train students to capitalize on these opportunities. And then one of the things he did uh, that I would like to kind of demonstrate for you, I can find the page it was on. Um, he calls it special and a lot of the activities that are done in the book are kind of center around special. If I were to just be meeting you, Terry, I would offer my hand to shake in the non-COVID era, but you shake hands, sit up straight. I would look you in the eye, would be charming, and I would ask a question, I would, um, and then I would lean in and listen. And this was the anagram for special, shaking hands, posture, eye contact, charm, introducing yourself, I think I left that one out, introducing yourself, ask a question, and leaning in and listening. So while I was introducing myself, I would say I'm Dixie Cooper. You know, I like to read, and I was wondering if you also like to read, and do you have a favorite book? It might be a way of opening a conversation. And if you didn't read, then I could ask you maybe something else. So special is, is kind of the core foundation of a lot of the activities that they try to build on in the book. You know, when I work with young people, 
um, many of the uh, of them are beginning their careers or at least thinking about beginning a career or going to college. And that anagram can really be helpful for job interviews and um, that essay that you have to write for, for your, uh, that they traditionally call the college essay. And um, uh, those kinds of experiences that can be really be helpful. I, I think that um, I need to take note of that. I know if you can teach a child not to be afraid to introduce themselves to someone else, just how do you go about that? It's, it can be a learned skill. And there's no reason they can't learn that and can't feel a little more confident in introducing themselves. <clears throat> and shy kids can maybe come out of their cocoon a little bit and, and meet a little bit more people, feel a little bit more comfortable in a crowd. It doesn't mean that you're gonna change an introvert into an extrovert, but it does mean that, that anyone might get along in the world a little bit easier because everyone has to, <laughs> Everyone, everyone has to do this. They, we all have to get, present ourselves in some way, be it a job interview, in a classroom, here on Texas Storytellers. So it's an amazing skill to have and easy, fairly easy to teach, actually. He does offer some suggestions for the teacher from guidelines. Here are a few suggestions to guide you how to deliver these lessons. Model, show students what proper skills look like. What I just constantly tried to do in how do you introduce yourself and practice that. Um, you can also bring in guests or videos you know, beside yourself to show different models and find different opportunities to do this. Um, it doesn't always have to be a planned lesson. Sometimes things just pop up and it's a perfect time to learn this skill. Someone new comes along and they don't know each other. Well, okay, let's practice our introduction skills. Give immediate feedback. Let them know when they are doing things correctly and sometimes incorrectly so they can correct the errors that they're making. Set high expectations. This is true for anything. If you're trying to accomplish it, there's this old saying, um, if you go out fishing bring tartar sauce along so that you can expect that you're going to be successful. Make it challenging. As students become more comfortable with the basics, continue to question and challenge their understanding by presenting different scenarios. And connect leadership lessons. Discuss how building interpersonal skills connects to leadership traits such as courage, kindness, enthusiasm, and empathy. So this was, um, just some suggestions of how you develop these skills and how you can start with the special anagram. They also say, we uphold the ideals of a society in which a balance between individual rights and commitment and responsibility towards other can be maintained. That is so important to know now and to remember now. We achieve the principles of fairness and equity for all people. You know, that's something that, that um, when you think about it, needs to be taught too. Um, there is, a, there is a, a musical, South Pacific. It's an award-winning musical. In fact, it, it got a, um, an award for the book and an award for the, the uh, play. And there is a song in the book 
uh, about um, discrimination because there's an underlying, um, with all the happiness and so forth that goes on in South Pacific, there's an underlying outlying story about discrimination. Yeah. And the young soldier sings, it's got to be taught before it's too late. This is talking about discrimination. Before you are six or seven or eight, it's got to be taught. So if that, if that is something that is learned, if, if, if the negatives, discrimination and so forth, are, have to be learned, then so do the positives. Mm -hmm. So does the leadership end of it have to be learned. And we're the people to do it. It's, it, it's what we do. It's, it's uh, who we touch. We are with kids all the time, whether it be our grandkids or our, our kids in the classroom or kids around us, um, even at the theater, there are young people all over. So that is something that we need to remember. We are the teachers wherever we go. And I think that, that this book for me made that clear. But the other cool thing is that, well, we may be the teachers, but that kids can lead us. <laughs> I learned something from kids every day, practically. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, just a word on the discrimination as I taught kindergarten for about 10 years. And one thing that I learned without any question about it is that race has nothing to do with who you are. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's innate. I mean, and, and kids learn discrimination. They are not born with that. You know, they are not born being discriminating about anybody. They just see each other as kids until somebody teaches them differently. So this can be, hopefully eliminated if we do teach hey let's look at each other as as just human beings and start with that and i think the world you know could could improve a great deal if we can look at it in that way the the um one of the other chapters is building skills and the and the quote goes um as a leader you don't have to be someone rich famous or iconic a leader is someone who isn't perfect, but instead they are someone who isn't afraid to try and grow as a person. A leader is someone who isn't afraid to let themselves be vulnerable by sharing their experiences and mistakes in the hopes that someone else listening may learn and grow from them. A leader can be someone from anywhere. Just grasping the chance to try and change the world by being that one person who makes a wonderful impact on someone's life. A leader is a spark of hope. Elsie, age 14. Mm -hmm. yeah, it is, it's a spark of hope. I know I, there's been many people in my life who has had a huge influence and taught me things that have helped and improved my life. I'm very grateful for them all. Um, they also begin to talk about in the classroom, and, and actually these things can also be applied to parenting. Absolutely, you know, it's parent, I mean, the education begins in the home anyway, and so parents could learn a lot from this book in how to help your children become better leaders. Uh, one of the areas is cultivating character. Um, 
And just a passage from that, we believe that young leaders' ability to do the right things come from a moral compass that is ever developing through experiences, lessons, and knowledge. As a parent, teacher, coach, mentor, we have the opportunity and responsibility to promote character development in our young leaders. We believe firmly not, I'm sorry, we firmly come down not only on the side that leaders can and do learn how to do the right thing, but that character itself can be taught and cultivated. You can train them to cut through problems, but a saw needs to be continually sharpened to be effective and resilient. Therefore, teaching leadership must include fostering character development. And so that was an interesting. Did they give any examples of character development? Um, yes. Um, facilitate self reflection is one of them. Uh, learning to look at your own behavior, your own actions, your own thoughts. And how are you influencing yourself in the way that you behave? You know, how can you either keep what you like or change what you don't like on that? Mistakes and failures are part of becoming a leader of positive character. For young leaders to recognize this truth, it is important to offer them opportunities to reflect upon experiences and guide them with questions that help them conclude that their stumble will actually lead to a greater understanding in the future. And then they also uh, what would like for you to introduce books and books in leadership, books about leadership, and in reading in general, because every time you read, you take on new ideas or new thoughts or new knowledge. And they, they stress that reading doesn't have to be an on-level book that you thoroughly read through, and it, reading can be in anything. Even adults can get a lot from, from picture books. Or, or any kind of thing, magazines, newspapers, anything that's written down that you read. They highly, they suggest that you do diversify in what you're offering with literature. Or sometimes a book that's above a child's level can be very in, interesting to them. He's, he claims there really is no such thing as a non-reader. It's just that someone has not found what they're interested in reading about yet. So that's what he wants you to do is find what they, they like to read about <clears throat> and develop it from there. And if there, he also stresses that role models serve as important piece in connecting students with books and developing love of reading. So if you, I know in the home, um, if a, if a child watches their parents read, then they get the sense that this is something important to do. This is something that I'm supposed to do. Um, this is part of life. I, as, a, as a child myself, my dad was an avid reader, read all the time. He had an extensive library for somebody you know at home. I'm so in love with his books. And consequently, I understood that was important to do and I've become a reader myself. So it's, it is imperative that we read to kids and have this, this example for them. I, um, at times in their lives, for my two boys, I have gotten them leadership books. Sometimes I shared the leadership books that I had to read in college. Some of them are really good. But I remember the first book that I got my older son as, a, as, a, as an ideal. Um, was Iacocca. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I know that he still has that book. 
and uh, the very most recent book that I that I got um, my younger son was uh, the one about the the um, man who is this a co CEO of Netflix, and you talk about night and day as far as. Uh, the, the style of leadership that you can go through when you're looking at different leadership books. But that's cool because then you've got all this wealth of ideas and you can pick and choose and, and go, oh yeah, I, I, I'm more like that. I, maybe this will work. Or maybe you've put yourself in the position of being a leader and you've tried this and it didn't work. So then you have to regroup and try to try something else and you've got some reference to try other things from so I, I think that 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 makes a difference too oh yeah yeah they're very plain that not everything's going to work for you and you have to pick and choose and you have to fail and get back up and try again and that a leader will have one part they were explaining how a leader will have to accept criticism they will have to accept failure they will have to accept that change must can happen. They will have to accept that people will be jealous of them if they're in a leadership role and maybe want to take them down because this is part of being a leader. So many ideas need to be tried. You can't just put on one thing. And so diversity is, is very important. Many diverse ideas being presented to kids and to let them fail occasionally. So they learn about that and how to get back up after you fail and move on with it. It's, that's part of life. It's part of everyone's life I've ever known anyway. So uh, that's part of the cultivating. And this is a quote from the book. We believe that you aren't truly learning until you made a little uncomfortable or you have your ideas challenged. So that's what a, a leader will be challenged to. Well, you can tell that the, the authors have definitely been in administration at some time or other. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. They um, also in the book, they have kid quotes, they have reflective stories, but they also have reflective questions like this. So if you're listening and you want to comment, go ahead. What leadership skills do you value most? How can you develop them within your students on a daily basis? Reflect at a time where you had an unexpected opportunity to teach a student a leadership lesson. What did you do? How did that student react? Think about that. Um, what else have you got? Dixie, you said you had lots of things to read. Well, I have the, the next part of the book, he talks about student jobs and how giving students different jobs can help them develop leadership. Uh, one of them is called a greeter. And this is somebody that's designated to be the person to greet anyone new that comes into the classroom. And they would use the special anagram like I described before in greeting this person. It makes them feel important. They feel like it is and it's built up to be a very important job, which it is. It makes the 
people come to visit feel important if somebody comes and introduces themselves. So it, it builds the role model of that, of how to greet somebody new that's coming in. Then where they have the ambassadors and they are similar to greeters, but they, they reach out to the community. It's not just in one classroom. They, they present speeches or go to conferences or do something to promote the school in a positive way. And then they have the social media interns. And that one, <laughs> that's the one where uh, I would have to go through a lot of training to do that. Because he talks about the more we can help kids see the power of social media for good, the more likely they will become leaders who use it to instigate change and make a positive impact. That's why we want to address the importance of social media in growing student leaders. Um, and because it can go both ways with social media. He does state it takes, all it takes is one angry parent or community member to share a negative story about your school or district, and then it becomes the narrative. And that is true. I know when we're looking at comments and critiques of products or places that you wanna go, you want to see the negative and the positive about it, but the negative ones sometimes tend to stand out. So he wants to try to turn this around and make it positive. So he, he has learned about a lot of different social media. Some of them I've never even heard of. There was Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Rewind, Remind, Periscope, and Facebook, just to name a few that he has used. Of course, they have to be very careful with this in that what is put on the Facebook or the, whatever media they're, they're using. Um, <clears throat> But it does train the kids about using it responsibly and that what they do put on these different social places has, can have huge consequences and how to use it to a, for a positive end. And then he wanted to get a staff involved with that. Um, I wanted them to take ownership as well, plus inviting them to share took a lot of load off of him. You know, he learns, learned to delegate as a leader, which a leader has to do. And <clears throat> and then he also states, let's be sure to clarify something. There's a, there are age limit laws for creating social media accounts for children under age 13. So it may not be quite as appropriate for younger ones as older ones. And you'd have to watch the younger ones much, much closer. Do you have any examples of the training and the implementing that you, in your reading? Well, I have um, uh, some random uh, passages I wanted to read. So I, I think I'll start with that. Um, this is a, a kind of a personal story from Adam. When Adam was a principal, he teamed up with his, with his art teacher to refurbish old mirrors acquired from Habitat for Humanity, Restore. On the mirrors, the teachers pasted cutouts of graduation caps and gowns, along with positive quotes such as, if you dream it, you can do it, and be the best you can be. The mirrors were hung in the main hallway so that as students walked down the hall, they could help, but they couldn't help but pause and look into one 
to see themselves in a cap and gown and be reminded to work hard and be the best they can be. Now, Todd's school placed mirrors in the hallways as well, but instead of graduation caps and gowns, they embellished them with phrases such as, I am fierce, I am brave, I am enough. The kids would look in the mirrors and see their reflection along with the words of affirmation. Now, in the school that I work at, we're in a different building this year, but in the, the building I was at for many, many years, which was Hawk Alternative School, we didn't use mirrors. I'm not sure if we, didn't, if we had mirrors to use or didn't think of that. But what we did use were post-its. So teachers would leave post-its of affirmation on um, a corkboard. So again, it was an old school. Uh, very old school, um, on a corkboard, and we peppered it, peppered it with affirmation. And sometimes the affirmation was for a particular kid, and that kid was to find his name in the affirmation. So we did that for um, the beginning part of school. And so the kids would, would pull off their um, affirmation with their name or the one that touched them and they would take it with them until the board was empty and then it was time to fill it up again. And I always thought that that was a, 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 an awesome, awesome way to connect with kids, especially in, in this type of situation. Because oh, when, awesome. when you're in an alternative high school, you are growing up pretty rapidly and you're looking to your future. And anytime you look to your future, whether you're a leader of many or a leader of yourself, it's quite important. When I taught kindergarten, um, they mentioned about putting affirmations in your classroom or sayings or phrases. We had a class motto and it was, the, the first sentence was, the most important thing you ever learn to do is love yourself. And the second most important thing you ever learn to do is read. And I wanted these two ideas put into these kids' heads at five years old and we read this out loud every day and whether they truly understood what it was or not I wanted that thought in their heads because that is the basis of everything and I had a truly affirmation at one point uh, one of my students who had been in my student and then she was in first grade the next year and we were all in an assembly together and someone asked the question, what is something important to learn? And that little girl raised her hand and she said, it's important to learn to love yourself. Oh, wow. So, I know, I know, I might cry over that one, but she was, uh, it really thought, yeah, that was a good thing to do was to put that there. And, <clears throat> and maybe it's something they would carry on for their lives, who knows, who knows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I agree with them in putting positive things out to the kids. Mm -hmm. It's critically important. Mm -hmm. Also, um, when you were talking about uh, special and greeting people, something that um, we practice uh, in my classroom, in my hybrid room, something we practice since, since there's so much, I mean, you really can't extend your hand. You could fist bump. 
So you have to think of other things. Mm -hmm. And one thing is that eye contact is to be sure that you make that on eye contact. And if you notice, especially with um, teenagers or as kids get older, maybe middle school teenagers, they use less eye contact and forget or don't know how powerful that is in leadership and in life. So maybe culturing the eye contact and the fist bump or whatever tools you have at the time is going to be beneficiary to you and beneficiary to, to that kid who's wanting to lead. And, th and then there's something else too. Um, it's, we know this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Adults hold so much influence and leverage in a child's ability to lead. They need to be there to listen, to guide, to mold, and pick a young leader up when they're down. The strongest of people can be down, down, down at times. And someone has to be there to lift them up. Um, did you have something else that, that uh, you were going to read? Um, well, I do have uh, something from the conclusion. There is a part where he talks about student voices and how they can, can then kind of show their leadership through speeches or being a part of conferences, that they should be allowed to make their own choices. And one of those parts was even choosing how they would be graded. You know, like not everyone is so different. There's no cookie cutter students even though schools, and they kind of have to be a cookie cutter arrangement. But giving them choices of how to be uh, evaluated, like some write better than they take tests and some can build in something physical to show you that they know what you, what you want. Um, so it's, it could just be, they could, might could come up with their own way of, of evaluation, I thought was kind of interesting. And then there was one thing, let me see if I can find the page. Sorry. Uh, this is about passion, about wanting to, um, this is about doing things that you are passionate about. It's hard to become a leader of something you don't like or something that doesn't interest you at all. It'd be kind of like me teaching about hammering or something. <laughs> so that would be not go over well at all. So you need to know your interest and your own abilities. The assumption that both uh, that people have an innate desire to explore what's interesting to them. When companies get out of employees way and support them in going for it, products may not have been discovered otherwise are often the result. These inventions were crafted when working outside the office curriculum. And he was talking about these different companies that about 20% of the time, they just let their, their employees think and invent and come up with ideas on their own. And there's been some amazing things when that happens, when your mind can just go. And so let it, let, sometimes in your classrooms or as a parent, let your kid explore. Let, you know, just let them have their own thoughts. 
The goals of the companies mentioned were it was providing employees with open time was to create and innovate. These companies are developing leaders through project exploration. And so that was very important about having a passion in what you are teaching or, or leading to. Um, and even to tell them about passion, you know, finding your own passion, helping your kids and your students discover what they like and what they're good at and what interests them. And not to be judgmental about it, unless it is, of course, something that is harmful, but, um, but to really support what they, what they like to do. Joining clubs was another thing. Um, you, again, finding clubs that you can be passionate about, something you, you can find interest in. For you and me, it's theater and drama. We love doing that. You know, other people can do other things. And then, um, did you have anything else you wanted? I was going to. Well, basically, well, all I want to say is that um, when kids lead, is it's just a, it's just a fascinating book, and there's so much packed in there. It's the kind of book that you look over, read, go back again. Oh, wait a minute! I remember that I needed this out of the book to do this lesson with the kids, and so it's a kind of a a book to read because I enjoyed it. But it's also a reference book that you can pull off the shelf and look at whenever whenever that you need to. And I want to stress again that, yeah, we um, dedicated this show and we're going to dedicate the next show to teachers because what a wonderful occupation to have, but also to parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, and anybody who touches the lives of kids. And, and I want to end with, with uh, one story. I have the privilege of now uh, uh, having a companion in my home and, uh, she is my 18 year old granddaughter. Yeah. And when you, when you come home and you want to talk about the day, because that's an, a critical thing to do with young people is to talk about your day and to let them talk about theirs. You, you have so much richness when, when you are privileged enough to do that. So it was kind of like, well, how, how am I going to approach that? I would like to have that kind of time, that talk down time, that I, that's kind of what I talk, call it. Well, it kind of happened naturally. We set up two rooms for um, her upstairs and there are two old chairs upstairs that are probably 45 years old. They're um, the traditional old, um, dark red leather back chairs and uh, we're trying to find a place for them in the house of course her place was in the garage that wasn't gonna happen so but we did find a place to put the chairs um kind of at the end of the kitchen and they're across from each other and we tease about the fact that they're even socially distant and um we both love tea but never have time for it. Now, I can't tell you we do this every night. We don't. That doesn't happen. But when we do, we have a cup of tea and we each sit in our favorite one of those chairs and we talk about the day 
or talk about what's going to happen the next day to uh, further a goal or get together or stay apart or talk about school or whatever it is. There's there is a lot to that because sometimes I initiate it so I could be called the leader, but sometimes she initiates it and she can be the leader. Mm. And so I just love that. Wonderful. I bet you do. That's you're giving that young woman such a gift. That is wonderful. No, she's giving me such a gift. Yeah. And awesome. and um I don't know that that we both always see it that way, but today we do. <laughs> well it is. And and she will always look back on that and go, Wow, that was pretty cool. I had a great grandmother. And I've met Lydia, your granddaughter, and she is pretty special. Well, in any case. We're going to, to um, look at another Ted Nesloni book next week or next time. And um, that is Stories from Web. Mm -hmm. So for today, I'm Terry Woods. And I'm Dixie Cooper. And we're Texas Storytellers, brought to you by Woodlands Online. Do watch us. Do share us. Send us to somebody. Um, who might enjoy maybe this episode or the episode before at the Rent Fest or the episode before. In any case, you can watch us on Woodlands Online, iHeartRadio, uh, or iHeartRadio Podcast, Stitcher, share us on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever else you can find us. Goodbye for now. Have a great day. See you next time. Mm -hmm.